Welcome to another episode of the Family Business Podcast, brought to you by Tharawab Magazine. My name is Ramia Lagami, and I'm your host. Rodolfo de Benedetti was a mere 30 years old when he became the CEO of Compagnia Industriali Riunite, CIR Group, a business established by his father, Italian business tycoon Carlo de Benedetti. Carlo de Benedetti made his name for taking over the typewriter company Olivetti in 1978 and transforming it into a computer and telecommunications firm. From there, he and his son Rodolfo built the CIR group into what it is today, one of Italy's most important consortiums with companies in the media, automotive and healthcare sectors. We had the opportunity to sit down with Rodolfo de Benedetti to discuss leadership in the 21st century, as well as the challenges and opportunities when faced with a great legacy. Enjoy this episode. Let's start maybe with like just the story of the family business, like as told in your own words, like we know that it started all with your father in 1976. We'd love to hear in your own words, the entrepreneurial journey that your family has gone through. Maybe you can tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. Well, actually, uh, this, uh, you know, whenever I'm asked uh, to tell the, the family business story, I'm, I always hesitate whether we are second or third generation, because actually the I think the entrepreneurial genes comes from my grandfather, um, who um, founded um, a family, his family business um, before the war mm-hmm. uh, in Turin, and that was a, a company that that manufactured thermostats uh, that were used in a bunch of industry like the oil industry, the power industry, and also uh, automotive industry. And um, my father actually started. Um, his career working in that family business when he graduated. Um, and he did, um, you know, develop it um, quite rapidly uh, when he took it over. And then, um, you know, in the 70s, he was um, proposed uh, to become the CEO of Fiat. And this company was uh, a supplier of Fiat. And so he put as a condition the fact that he could not be in a conflict of interest situation being both a supplier and a client. And so he said, but, you know, if I if I come, you have to buy my business because I cannot, you know, own that business and be and, and run Fiat. So basically they, they bought the business and then that was not a very good idea because it didn't last very long. Uh, and after uh, only three months, he figured out that that was not the right choice. But in the meantime, he had sold the business. And so he walked out with um, some money, but without the business. And this is when he started again in the, that was in the mid seventies and he bought control of cheer, which was an existing shell company that was listed on the exchange. So in reality, you know, was it not before, because of that, we would probably still have the, um, you know, my grandfather business. And uh, and so I, I think we're really third generation as opposed to, uh, to second, because that was, uh, you know, the beginning of, uh, of it all. Um, and uh, other than, than that, but, 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 you know, we, we grew up in a family where, um, you know, business was, was important. And, uh, and I remember, uh, you know, my grandfather talking about it when we were kids and, and, and my father bringing us to a, uh, the factory uh, on on weekends and 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 so that was really part of the uh, education 
I see. And for you, so you've witnessed your father basically go through this whole the acquisition of cheer and also like yeah. growing it through the years yeah. to come. So how did you how did you like live this experience watching your father going through this? Like were you very much participative or did that come later, your actual interest in the business? Um, actually it came uh, it came later. Um, I um, I went to school in uh, at one point my brothers and I went to school uh, abroad because the situation in Italy w was not you know very pleasant and secure in those years and so my parents decided to send us to a boarding school and so we went to uh, uh, to a Swiss um, uh, high school and and then I um, I went to university in Geneva um, and um, and then I started working there and then I went to the US um, working and in reality I I probably thought that I would sooner or later uh, go and work in the family business but I thought that it was good to start somewhere else and to basically learn something before um, you know going going into the family business and, and actually um, I was you know, I was working in the financial services industry I was a, a, a wealth management banker in Geneva at Lombardier and then I was a um, I worked at uh, Lehman Brothers in, in New York um, and uh, actually I would have loved to stay there because I, I had a great experience as learning a lot and and that was when I had a, a, a you know a negotiation with my father that really wanted me <laughs> back and uh, and so this is when I really got involved when I when I came back to Italy that was in the late 80s mm -hmm. um, and uh, and I entered into this company um, uh, as you know, I was relatively junior because I was less than 30 years old at the time. My predecessor as CEO of, uh, of Cheer uh, was uh, um, somebody that was working with my father, um, has been working for, for a number of years, uh, decided to quit. And so at that point, um, you know, my father asked me to, uh, to take over uh, the, the CEO position and I thought that that was a bit too early. I thought that um, you know I was too young, and and I felt that the you know the weight of the responsibility was you know too big, and so I resisted a lot. But um, but at the end of the day, you know we had a very savvy chairman at the time, and, and you know so my father said, okay, let's ask him to take the decision. He's you know he's not you, he's not me, and uh, he'll uh, be more objective in uh, in this decision. And so we went to see him and. Uh, and um, you know he listened to both our arguments, and um, and um, and so at one point he addressed to me. He said, "But if I understand correctly, your only argument is that you're too too young for the position." And I said, "Well, yeah, I think you know I probably like to do this, but not now." And he said, "Well, you know you don't choose your timing, and um, it is today, and uh, you know being too young is is something that." you know, solve itself over time. So don't bother about that. And, and, um, and that was very, uh, very true. And so that that's how I, um, I, I became CEO of the business. So you've um, previously emphasized all well, the importance of that outside experience before joining yes. the family business, right? Like that you felt that was an important thing, even though you've had it in a very different kind of environment. Mm -hmm. So very corporate and services environment, whereas mm -hmm. when you came to your family business, which is essentially very much based in the real economy, 
So you've, you've heard over the years, your father talk about business, etc. When you actually joined, like the reality of seeing your father in action, also the reality of being part of the family business, how did it compare to your expectation? Um, I don't know. I, I'm, um, I'm, uh, I'm not sure I had, you know, very precise uh, expectations about it. What, what I can tell you is that my, you know, my, my experience was that, I mean, I, I remember that period as a, a very hectic period. Mm -hmm. uh, everything was moving very quickly. We had, you know, a lot of um, situations. I joined um, once, you know, some important decisions had been taken and, and, and some of those had, you know, profound consequences on our group for years. And, and it was kind of, you know, and I was too young and too inexperienced and too junior to really be part of the decision-making process. And so I kind of felt that, you know, I was there to try to lend a hand and to help, but without really being part of it, which was absolutely normal. Um, and, uh, and, and things were, you know, just, you know, very rapid and, and it was, you know, suddenly the, the responsibilities uh, were, were much bigger than the one that I had. Mm -hmm starting you know at the lower end of the uh, of the organization as I did when I when I worked in in banking um, and, and so it was really you know learning by 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 experience and being you know thrown into the sea and said you know you, you don't know how to swim but you learn because you have to and, and, and so that was um, but but I, I think it was uh, you know extremely um, formative and, and useful and and uh, and I learned a lot and, and it was, um, but it was, you know, it was kind of um, uh, emotionally difficult. And, mm -hmm. uh, and, and um, you know, I, I felt a lot the weight of the responsibility um, and, uh, and, and probably that was also because of, you know, age and, 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 and inexperience. Um, and that's, that's probably the you know the the mm -hmm. negative um, side of the coin because you know you learn but but it it waits on you. It's demanding, of yeah, course. And then you demanding. got you got thrown into the deep end of the pool by being promoted to an executive position right. when you thought you were too young. Right. So what was the consequence of that? Like, so what were the first sort of like leadership lessons that you learned when you took on the role, when you eventually had to take on that role and and had to grow older into it, basically? Well, you know. I, I think a number of issues. I mean, I think one was, you know, a, a, a specific um, issue, which was a personal one, which was, you know, there was no doubt that I was there because I was the son of the boss. Mm -hmm. um, and I was perfectly conscious about that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, you know, the reason why I would have liked to um, have a longer experience outside of the family business is because I knew that. And I knew that... Uh, that was going to be the perception that people were going to look at me like that. And, and I would have liked to basically have, you know, a legitimate answer by saying, well, no, you know, it, yeah, it might be because of that, but, but it is also that I, I know something and I, and I bring based. some, mm -hmm. you know, experience that maybe is complementary mm -hmm. to the one that I can find here. Um, and, and so, you know, I learned something which has become an expression which has become very, very fashionable lately. Uh, but I, I really believe that this is something very important in, in business, which is which is the concept of resilience. Um, mm -hmm. 
uh, resilience not only you know for a business and so for for a, for a business model and an activity but also resilience in terms of you know your attitude and your psychological approach to problems because um, you know running a company is by definition going through uh, faces and mm. facing difficulties and challenges and crisis and it's not always you know downhill um, slope and and so um, you know I, I think it's very important to learn that and mm. and and that is really part of being in a way you know an entrepreneur is is and that is you know that is also what is difficult and and, and that's part of the challenge because it's it can be very rewarding it can be great you know to have the you know satisfaction of creating something and seeing it growing and adding to it you know every day piece by piece um i think it's one of the greatest uh source of um joy and proudness and achievement but you know part of that is going through you know days where you don't believe in it where you don't think it is feasible where you're just desperate because you know it doesn't work I'm where, glad that happens to uh, you too <laughs> I, don't know, that, I think i think it, i think that you know what you should tell yourself is that happens to everybody yeah. i don't think that you know anybody that has created a business or even managed a business can say that they didn't go through those type of moments and i think what is important is is to be equipped to you know to go through those type of moments with resilience because that is the only thing that you know can give you the kind of continuity mm -hmm. that you need uh to you know go back at it and if it doesn't work to change something and and, and, and try to build, again to and, keep and, on and, building and to keep on building and, and and also to be able to you know transmit that spirit to the people working around you because you know every business is a collective effort and at the end of the day you are you know a piece of it uh, but, but if you have a position of responsibility you have to be able to basically lead other people and um and so that i think is a very important element actually cir group is in very interesting industries mm -hmm. at the moment and with respect to what we call the next economy and sort of the mm -hmm. the industrial revolution right like because at the moment you are in in media automotive and healthcare i believe if i if i got that right so three industries that are being profoundly disrupted along the whole uh, along the whole value chain so how do you prepare a group like that and what kind of what kind of people leadership skills etc do you require to take a group like yours that into the next economy basically into this future that is so uncertain on all in all of these industries what kind of like mindset do you set up within within the company in order to face those fast-paced changes that we're seeing today i think this is one of the most important thing uh, to be, um, you know, to 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 be flexible, mm -hmm. to um, to be able to adapt to a rapidly and increasingly rapidly changing environment. Uh, I think one of the when, when I you know when I look at the last thirty years since I started working, uh, the pace of change has just accelerated, mm -hmm. and I don't think that's going to stop. Actually, I think it's just going to increase. Um, and this was brought about by basically two things, which, which are technology and, and, and globalization. Mm -hmm. um, and those two things have 
profoundly change and will continue to change uh, very established and long-lasting business models. Um, and you know, you can think about you know a, a number of businesses that have legacies that go back you know more than a hundred years that were disrupted in a matter of a few years mm -hmm. by those two factors. And so I think, you know, if you run any business, um, uh, you have to be a bit paranoid about, you know, who is out there that I don't even know about mm -hmm. uh, that is working on disrupting my business. Um, and I think this is happening in pretty much every business. So you're right that some of our businesses are going through that, probably more than others. But I don't think that there is that there are exceptions. I think um, you know any business is is subject to that and is at risk in a way, which which is a much more complex and challenging situation than the one that people running businesses were faced maybe twenty or thirty years ago. Because you know at the time the pace of change was much much um, you know lower and, and slower and. And you could just plan, you know, long-term planning was, was a luxury that people had. Uh, today, you know, you have to do long-term planning, but it's very difficult and you have to review it every year because, or even more often than that, because, you know, there is no, uh, there is no scenario that you can draw and that you can, with a certain degree of certainty, believe that it's going to be there for the next 10 years. I, I think that's totally, uh, that's an it's illusion. It's impossible now, yeah. Um, and so I think you have to do two, two things, which is manage the day-to-day -day and, and making sure that, you know, the level of efficiencies at which you run your businesses uh, allows you to be competitive and to stay competitive um, and to satisfy you know, the expectations of your stakeholders. But in the same time, you know, have a more longer term um, view, which is, and again, longer term is not necessarily 20 years, it's probably five years, mm -hmm. where, you know, you have to try to identify the, the risk and the opportunities associated with change and, um, and see how to, you know, exploit that or, or how, how to defend yourself from that. Um, and that's, that's difficult. So I have uh, two follow-up questions on, on the statement that you've just made. So basically you're saying, so it's becoming harder and harder to actually plan such to such an extent, to such a long term. Now, we are here talking about family businesses mostly, of course, in, in, in our context. And family businesses are known to take a long-term perspective mm -hmm. on everything. They're known to plan and trying to plan for the next generation as well. So are we looking at the moment in time where we have to say like the family business model is not actually suitable for the for the 21st century? Or is it uh, is it on the contrary something that will continue to, to be a benefit to businesses to be family owned? No, I, I think that I don't believe that uh, family businesses are not suited to deal with those challenges. I just think that family business as non-family business, but I mean, if you want to continue to own a family business, you have to be open to change and you have to be open to, you know, rediscuss things that because you've been attached to it for several generations, sometimes seem untouchable. You know, sometimes there are taboos that 
you know, you cannot, you think that you cannot discuss uh, in a family business, maybe more than in a non-family business, I think you should fight that because, um, you know, tradition is important, but the capacity to adapt is probably more important. Mm -hmm. um, otherwise, you know, tradition, they don't last a long, uh, very long. And so I think that oftentimes, you know, family business can have the rigidity of being too attached to tradition and too attached to what has worked for maybe five or 10 or 15 generations. And, you know, you believe that just because you've come from, you know, a long way, you just, it's just going to last a long way. That's not true. Mm -hmm. uh, that doesn't work that way. And so I think, uh, and I've seen, you know, families that have been in business for many generations, but also that have been capable of adapting. And adapting sometimes mean also, you know, changing your business or might even mean selling, you know, your original activity or diversifying away from it because, because some businesses just, you know, despite you and despite how well you run them, they can run into a, a terminal phase uh, and it exists uh, and, and you see it every day. And so, you know, if you're a family business and, and you're married with that business and you don't understand that you have to walk away from it, that's a problem. And, um, and so I think, you know, I think there are families that are very, that have been very capable uh, at doing that. And there are those that have not been capable. Mm -hmm. And so, I don't think that there is a general recipe, but I think the, you know, the values and the experience and the and the, you know the the approach uh, that family business have can can be very useful even in a fastly changing environment. Actually, you could argue that it's even more important because okay. in a in a rapidly changing environment, what you need is is to you know be entrepreneurially minded about change. Uh, and in a way, if you are an entrepreneurial family, you know that you've, you know, you have that in your history. In your DNA. Um, but I think you have to, to be on the lookout for, uh, for change and how to manage that. So it's not a time to be sentimental basically about no, I don't uh, think it is. a lot of things. No. So you are currently the chairman of, of, of a, probably one of Italy's most important, uh, important groups. And I think that it would be interesting to hear from you what are sort of the macro trends today that you are most excited about, but also the macro trends that you think are going to be a challenge going forward, maybe for CIR, but also maybe generally when you look at the, the economic landscape. Well, you know, I think generally, I mean, this was fairly different uh, in, in 13, but uh, I think in 17, um, and, and maybe in Europe, you know, and particularly in Italy, we have been so traumatized by the last uh, downturn in, uh, in 2007 and 2008 uh, and by the follow-up of this. Uh, I think I read the other day that the Italians' GDP is still lower today than what it was before the crisis, uh, and that was 10 years ago. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it has been tough. Mm -hmm. And so we, I think we, we are under the psychological impression that we live in a crisis or in a recession or mm -hmm. in, that's not true. Um, you know, when you look at the numbers, that's not true. And um, I think by and large, the world is doing pretty well. Mm -hmm. um, we're not used to it. And so we are kind of even afraid of ex expressing the concept, but mm -hmm. it is true. Um, you know, th there is a pretty synchronized 
uh, growth in the world economy that goes from the US to Europe to emerging markets in, and with very, very few exceptions. And there are, you know, Brazil is an exception, but with very few exceptions um, over the last, you know, couple of years and, and right now and, and, you know, according to predictions probably for the next 12 to 18 months, the world is doing well. Mm -hmm. um, there is growth, there is no inflation, um, there is a very benign monetary policy globally, which right. makes you know interest rates are low. And so if you are running a business and, and you need capital, capital is relatively easy to find. Right. And um, you know, projects, if you have a good project, you find the money to finance it. There is credit available, there is equity available. True. Um, so, uh, you know, it doesn't happen uh, very often that you can say this um, globally. And, you know, when you say this, people say, oh, but yeah, but there are geopolitical risks. And I answer, but when have you not seen geopolitical risk? I mean, uh, there have always been wars and conflicts, but I, I read recently that right now we have the lowest number of conflicts, armed conflicts in the world in history. I think that there are 40 uh, armed conflicts throughout the world, local conflicts, which, which is probably half of what we had a few years ago. Mm -hmm. And, you know, everybody focuses on North Korea, for example, which, you know, is, is the news of the day. And I absolutely don't want to discount the risk of and course. the importance of what that could mean. And obviously, you could build scenarios where that is a disaster and turns into a disaster. And, you know, I hope it does not, but you cannot rule it out. And so, you know, it's right to be to be concerned. But, but at the end of the day, you shouldn't lose sight of... Mm -hmm you know, the reality. And the reality is, again, that, 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 that you know, the, the world is, is a, a relatively safe place compared to, uh, you know, recent history and, and, uh, and, and it's doing pretty well, uh, you know, economically speaking. Um, so, you know, I, I think that this is probably, a, you know, a good time uh, to be an entrepreneur. I think, um, you know, technology has become pervasive. Mm -hmm. uh, technology has transformed and will transform, I think, any business. And so you have to embrace it. Mm -hmm. You cannot fight it. Um, and it is obviously as an opportunity as a risk. And, and so you have to be aware of the risks, but you also shouldn't forget to look at the opportunity. And, you know, the opportunity is that the, uh, you know, the, the barrier to entry or the barrier to, um, you know, to reach a market has lowered dramatically. Mm -hmm. You know, today with, you know, Amazon Web Services, you can set up a business in a few hours and mm -hmm. you can have a, you know, global distribution for, you know, any idea that you might develop for, you know, a few thousand euros. Mm -hmm. um, that was unheard of 20 or 30 years ago. And this is why you have some businesses that grow very rapidly, very quickly and become, you know, huge businesses in a matter of years. And you didn't have that. You needed 50 or 100 years to create a very, okay. very large uh, enterprise, you know, back to a few years ago. So I, I think this is a, this is a great opportunity. Um, I think it's, um, it, it also means that you probably will have more and more people that will uh, try to become entrepreneurs and, and that are self-employed 
as opposed to looking at, you know, their work experience as being, you know, an employee of a company for the next uh, 40 years mm-hmm. and, 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 and thinking that, you know, they will stay in that business or they maybe they'll change, uh, you know, a couple of times in their career. I think that's more, you know, much more difficult today, given the way that the, 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 you know, the, the system works. Um, so I, I think those uh, those things are are mm-hmm. you know great. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there are reasons to be uh, to be to be positive. To be cautiously optimistic. Yeah, cautiously optimistic. <laughs> Very last question, I promised, and I'll let you get back to your day. Um, for you, like you've seen your company really evolve in tremendous ways, right? Like so, you've said like you joined already at the moment where a lot of big decisions were made. You yourself have added a lot. A lot of big decisions, a lot of new directions to to CIR. Now, from more from your chairman perspective and like the role that you've taken on, what is still one of the greatest wishes that you have to see your company achieve right now? So, what is sort of a direction that you're like, or a challenge that you think you want to address, or an industry that you would love to penetrate that you feel like you're very excited about in the near future? Well, I would say it's it's probably you know, more general, and it is really that of being able, you know, with the help of all those that, you know, work in, in our company to navigate the, the, the increasingly rapid pace of change. Mm-hmm. Um, because again, I think that this goes through every one of our businesses. You know, if you think of media, I mean, media is probably one of the more you know, challenge uh, or, or that has been more challenging in the last few years, uh, business models. Uh, but, you know, think of the auto industry. Um, the auto industry, which is an old industry, which exists since, you know, more than 100 years, um, is totally, you know, revolutionized by by technology and, and by different, you know, business model like, you know, uh, like, the way people use cars, don't buy cars, uh, lease cars, uh, you know, use Uber or, or different, you know, ways of, uh, you know, shared mobility. Um, so, you know, we are in that business and maybe we think that that business moves more slowly, but I don't think so. I think, you know, everything moves fast mm-hmm. today. And so, you know, that business has uh, in front of it uh, a lot of changes and a lot of challenges, Great opportunities, also because uh, you know if you think of you think that you know Tesla, Tesla's market cap is bigger than most of the traditional car, car makers in the world today. You know, right. Companies that have been in existence for more than a hundred years and that produce you know ten million cars a year compared to a few tens of thousands. Mm-hmm. Um, so that tells you how that can also be a great a great opportunity. Um, so I mean I think any one of our businesses is really and so my you know my my wish and and, and, and the you know the, the ambition is is really to, to to be able to you know understand those changes mm-hmm. and to be to be open-eyed toward those changes and to be able to see the opportunities in, in those changes and, and and protect the businesses from you know the risks, um, but also exploiting um, the opportunities, which, which is you know, which is difficult and and is challenging because in the same time you have to run you know yeah. on a daily basis those businesses and and make sure that you know you're doing the right thing and you're you know, and you're 
again, you're, you're running, you know, efficient shops, but but you have to be kind of, you know, one eye toward today and tomorrow and the mm-hmm. other one uh, toward what's happening in the, in the medium term. And and uh, so that, I, I think that's the biggest, um, you know, I think that would be the biggest achievement if one does it right uh, um, and the biggest challenge. Thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank no, you. Thanks, thanks a lot. Thank you.